This evening, the subject for the evening talk is thought. During these days that we have been here together, We have engaged in a number of, so we call it, meditative inquiries together. And we might say that these inquiries, both here in the meditation hall and some of the group discussions, has been the work at hand to look at the many assumptions which we have and we hold and we cherish which appear to be true, true in themselves, the fact, the, the reality. <coughs> and at different times and in different ways to in different degrees, you and I have been expressing, in as best we can, some of our perceptions, our views, our concerns, our observations, both to ourselves through thought and at times to each other, which we might say is thought uh, externalized into language, comprehensible, comprehensible language. And we've noticed in the communications that sometimes we've expressed something to each other or ourselves it seems, on the face of it, to be a, a valid statement, born out of a valid perception, reflecting a reality, and with a little questioning, with a little awareness and observation, or dialogue, this seeming truth doesn't seem to have quite the, the substance and the reality that it appeared to have for us. <coughs> and obviously with such ways and means it at times has left us with some uh, difficulty or confusion at times it's shed light on a situation in which the typical patterns of relating and responding to something haven't had so much opportunity to work in the way that they did.
And perhaps hopefully out of, out of all of this we've, we are learning or in the process of learning that in a w- way we can't take anything for granted. We can't really say with any absolute certainty or authority that this is the way it is or this is, this is to see things really as they are. And perhaps we might say that even <coughs> you know, scientists who are not always regarded as being the most flexible of human beings also are beginning to appreciate and realize to some degree that in the perception of something, whatever, that there is from the human standpoint and frame of reference some influence on that which is seen to be perceived. That we can't look at something with our eyes, our ears, our mental eye, our awareness or whatever, without in some degree influencing and affecting that which is seen to be perceived. And so we find ourselves, when we're speaking of transition, and we're speaking of change inside of ourselves, generally what we seem to have in mind with regard to this is being in a certain state of mind which is quite, shall we say, unsatisfactory or confused or unclear or painful or (coughs) agitated. And through processes of meditation and inquiry, psychotherapy, body work, group work, etc., 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 all the countless ways, we move from that particular state into another and we feel the benefit of making this transition. And we see that that reflects in our, in a more content way of life, happiness in our life, people actually begin to like us, And all of this begins to occur uh, in seeing the change from being, shall we say, in one way, to being in another. But what we see also in this view of changing from one thing to another, that in some way or other, the thoughts have to confirm it. Because sometimes somebody else may say, oh, how you've changed. You went on this meditation retreat. (laughs) And now in the morning when you wake up, you actually say hello. And... This, maybe this kind of affirmation 
coming from one's parents or one's lover or one's children or one's neighbour or whatever, who will say, and we desperately want them to say, or else it's not worthwhile, it seems, ah, you're doing very well. And it's the little child in us which wants this, wants signs of progress and, and getting somewhere. But it still requires ourselves, with our thought, genuinely believing that we are a better person in some way or other. Our thought can say it to ourselves, oh, you've done very well this retreat. <laughs> you got up in the morning at 5.30 or at least quarter to six or whatever <laughs> and when you wanted to abuse that person who kept on talking you didn't say anything you successfully suppressed it <laughs> and the thought may arise and if one believes in the thought, one will feel better about oneself. More calm, peace, relaxation, contentment, clear, etc., etc. But one can say it to oneself and use the same thought language, the same thought process. And if one doesn't really believe it, it's, even if one repeats it mantra-like, it still doesn't seem to register. And so just because of changes in feelings and changes in experiences which showed themselves to us, it seems that the final judge of all this matter is what the thought comes down and says to us and what we believe with regard to it because even if somebody else confirms it, including our doctor or therapist or priest or rabbi or whatever, it still needs the inner for confirmation. And in that respect, thought has this extraordinary influence over our life because that's the way we relate to it. So one has to rather ask oneself the question, it's a hell of a risky business to be in, this life situation. If we're going to basically put all our eggs in the one basket which is thought and use thought as the way to measure everything and everybody particularly ourselves. And the human being can only be measured with thought. Human being doesn't have measurement, but thought, given the way 
we, so to speak, relate to it, measures us. I read, I picked up a book. I just read, you know sometimes one picks up a book and you, you, you read a single sentence in the book and then a quick flip over the pages and there's some kind of sense that the uh, author uh, is engaging in some inquiry. And I picked up this uh, book, just a sentence in it, and the writer was writing about our relationship to, to the planet and the planet to us. And the author said, scientists can't see, I'm talking about you know, classical Scientists using the forms of measurement as the only legitimate view on, uh, on, the, on Earth, on life, on the planet. Scientists can't see that the Earth is living because the scientist cannot allow his or her feelings to enter into the scientific approach. And such <coughs> observations, shall we say, is such with our thought and the whole field of thought that it, that it ends, has entered in our, particularly in our society, and therefore in ourselves, because we are society, into a kind of isolated area. Gaining its own self-apparent, self-independent existence, and it is used to determine this, that, and the other. And this, that, and the other, very important this, becomes this, that, and the other because thought says it. Thought says it. So we may undergo changes with working on and with ourselves, but if we don't really look into thought, we'll still perpetuate the myth of its reality, of its self-existence, of its measurement. And all that will have taken place is that we'll be more comfortable with our thoughts. Nothing really fundamentally will have changed, but we'll go from thoughts which are a real pain in the ass to thoughts which are more comfortable.
We had this afternoon a small uh, discussion uh, meeting, a few of us, and we were touching on this area of, of thought. And one of the participants brought up, and I think it's very, very common, and it's like many things, it's a certain, I would say, forgetfulness that we have. is that we've touched upon it in our communications. Something occurs, in this case the word which was used, very, very common word in our, uh, uh, in the times that we live in, the word which was used was pressure. And we establish a view with our thinking, something like, I am experiencing pressure. And as a result of this pressure, I have to do something about it. I have to work with it, or pierce through it, or dissolve it, or whatever. And I should be able to handle this pressure which I am experiencing. And so the view gets established for us that there is pressure, and... There is the relationship to it. I, sh in this case, I should be able to work with this. I should be able to handle this. I should let it go or whatever. And it's as though we've made two separate events. It, pressure, reality, relationship to dealing with it. Now that situation, that scenario plays through hearts and minds of countless human beings. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be, as another person mentioned, thinking itself. I'm thinking so much. Thinking. I must get rid of the thinking. It could be, as someone else pointed out in the group, it could be, could be death. I'm, I'm, I don't know how many moments, days, weeks, years that I've got to go, but I do know there's this monster looming up called death. It's going to interfere with all that I want to do. That's the only reason that it's a trouble, of course. And I've got to get round this, this death. I can either say, well, born once, uh, die, die once, c'est la vie. <laughs> or one can convert to Buddhism and Hinduism and, and, and take some comfort in some uh, future uh, um, existence, hoping that... Uh, one won't have to stop off too long in the hell realms, or whatever. <laughs> or I see it's fashionable these days to um, have these uh, psychics, you know, who are wandering around in the ozone layer, and uh, um, um, 
putting their interpretation on events down here, as though there's not enough of us doing it already. <laughs> and so all of this becomes a kind of source for comfort, if one wants continuity. And then one can comfort oneself in that one eventually... Um, keeps doing this, one will eventually save um, all sentient beings and this should encourage the uh, time reporters to put one on the front of the magazine. All, all of this, all one might say, well life is such a miserable show altogether, let's stick with scientific materialism, uh, it's a one-off chance and uh, when it's all over, um, death, annihilation, total extinction, non-being, finish, bust, it's all over. Thank God for No, can't thank God for that. Um, um, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so one can take any kind of object which uh, has become determined, fixed, as an object. Pressure, thoughts death, whatever it might be. And then it, it seems to be that one has, to this object which has become, which has been made, not created too far, but made, fixed, established, a relationship to it. And the relation to it goes some, along the line that this, which one has fixed, affects me. And it's extraordinarily difficult, it seems, to actually, I would say, puncture this myth once and for all. That there is this, whatever this may be in your mind or my mind at the moment, and there is a relationship to this, and to puncture it in a way that one no longer believes in this conventional idea. How can we how, explore, explore that? Because if we puncture this myth, then the idea which seems to have started it, the thought which seems to have started it, dissolves with it. If it dissolves with it, that means death is no more. Pressure is no more. Movement of thoughts is no more in terms of it says anything about anything. So in the usual personal soap opera, it seems that if, if there's a lot of thinking going on, we say, oh, I'm thinking so much, there's so much going on, so many thoughts, so many chatter, I really have to do something about it. If there's some interpretation of pressure, I should be able to work with this. And what we forget is that that thinking, that this is a reflection on me, this is saying something about me, is 
the thinking going on. That is the thinking. When we say, I shouldn't have this pressure, or I should be able to see through this pressure, I should be able to handle this situation, that activity which is going on is the pressure. It's not that there is pressure and I should be able to handle it. This is it. It's not that there is death and I should be able to cope with this death. This thought has arisen, it's gained a concrete, substantial reality. We've impregnated into it so much, we have made death for ourselves. And the sages, not the saints, you know, there's a real difference. I should mention this. The idea that there are saints is one of the most unholy myths imaginable. In my poor, limited ex experience on this planet, I have not ever met a saint. I have not met anyone near approaching being a saint or all the whatever goes along with it. And maybe pure-hearted people and, and doing very generous and caring and loving work, but sainthood is really part of the, myth the mythology which tends to undermine all of us. Same as gurus and, and all the kind of mythology of important figures who overshadow us and over uh, influence us because we give them that to do so. It doesn't, they don't have it in themselves. There's no such thing as charisma and power and authority. It doesn't have any existence. Unless you believe it does. And so Similarly with the Buddha, who, who used a lovely expression with regard to uh, uh, himself, who's also got involved. He'd turn over in, over in his grave if he knew what the situation was today. <coughs> and uh, the Buddha described himself as a kinchana. And this lovely term, a kinchana, means Nobody special. And when Sariputra said once to Gautama, Gautama, there's nobody like you in this world. Your wisdom, clarity, compassion, insight. We know there's nobody to compare with you. And do you know what Gautama said? He said to Sariputra, I didn't know you'd met everybody on this planet. <laughs> That's clarity. <laughs> and so when we give up and see the foolhardiness of impregnating external factors, situations, 
people with something which they don't inherently have. When we give that up as immaturity, life immaturity, then in the same way, perhaps with the field of thought, it must also be applied. Because the difference between the relationship to thought and the relationship to another is no difference because one is making the relationship. So what happens when we are involved in our thinking and that actual um, activity is, is taking place. The thinking which is occurring for us is such that we regard the thinking as saying something. And if we regard it in that way and give it that and address it in that way, this thinking which is, which is occurring for us is going to become increasingly more important. And we fail to see that it's conventional. And what the Buddha has said and what the sages have said, which means what ordinary people who just stopped and had a quick look at one at these myths, said that the purpose is, if we put a purpose to it, is to know, shall we say like that, to know the death less. So with the thoughts which are arising, we say, there is this variety of thoughts which are arising. And we see how we, the thoughts seem to be about something, or about thoughts itself, and we just see it's just a world of thinking. <coughs> a thought is just appearing as a thought. not regarding it in any way as a measurement. Not saying that this thought is saying anything about anything. The thought comes up, the ocean. the ocean. What can the thought say about the ocean? And when the thought arises, it's measured already. It's taken something out and separated it from everything else. Sky, land, beach, humanity, animal life, etc. 
So in this rising of this thought, it fixes and it measures. And when we do this repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly, of course what keeps occurring is that the thought taken to be this way measures us. And when we are measured, fear and death becomes a reality. If we are not measuring, where is death? So perhaps the inquiry really is not about with the thinking world of what happens with the minds of so-called meditators who measure where they are or measure their so-called practice by the number of thoughts, more thoughts, less progress. Less thoughts, more progress. No thoughts, great progress. <laughs> now where did this measurement come from? It came from the thoughts. And we go along with this again and again and again. And because we have been told so many times by others who also think too much <laughs> we must cut off our thoughts you know, and get rid of our thoughts and come to that place of no thought etc etc so all of these wonderful thoughts arise and then we internalize this thought and we attach it on attach it onto the end of these other thoughts <laughs> so there's a massive amount of thought then there's a memory ah no thoughts is really what it's all about. And we never seem to stop and say, well, who says no thoughts what it's all about? So in, in that respect, thoughts don't say anything about anything. Don't measure, don't have that power or that authority unless we believe that. unless we invest in that way. And surely we've had enough experience to see that our thoughts do change. 
the thoughts about ourselves, so to speak, do change. One day we're feeling very good, lots of nice thoughts about ourselves and what we're going to do when we get the hell out of this place. <laughs> the next day you think, oh, what the hell am I going to do when I get out of this place? <laughs> and because of that very simple oscillation back and forth, Surely it's the same thing being said. Of their unreliability, their insubstantiality, their lack of any true independent reality, their lack of self-existence. They gain what they're given. And then we might, we, might, we might say, language, that this is freeing. Death, pressure, thoughts, confusion have no real truth to them. Can this be understood right now? Clearly understood. That there is no it. Life unfolds itself, thoughts come, thoughts go, manifestations here and there. Yet, someone quoted, death has lost its sting. And what some people might describe as affection for life and Friendship for life and warmth for life is present. And because thought is not the measurement, the friendship and the affection and the care and the respect and the reverence also has no measurement to it. And all the difficulties we experience in life, the so-called problems that we experience, is because we perceive the false, the itness, the issueness, 
as the real, as the truth, as the reality. And human suffering is tied up with seeing the false as the true. The conventional agreement as the reality. May all beings see into appearances. May all beings see through measuring. May all beings abide without measure. So let's have a couple of minutes quiet period. <laughs> 